Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. Okay, hello, everyone. We are together for something we've never done before. What are we doing, Christian? We are super excited at a live recording of a book club. Can we we get some, like, woohoos in the background? Yes, that sounds like a lot of people. I know. That's like, yes, we are so excited. We are going to be doing this live recording of our book discussion this evening. So we have all gathered tonight after reading Jenny Allen's Find Your People book. And we were all super challenged by it. Samantha and I were personally. And so we wanted to bring you all in. So yeah, we have about, what, 35 people here gathered in this room. And so we are just super excited to dive in. We're going to guide us through some questions tonight and then... Yeah, have you guys chime in to some questions of, or answers of what you guys learned when reading the book. Yeah, did you guys all like the book or what did you think about it? Anyone want to just shout something out to get started? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Who was that? That was me. Allie, yay. Okay, Allie loved it. Good. That's awesome. Did anybody else feel like a little, okay, I know this stuff, but it's kind of hard to live this out? Did anyone have that feeling? Yes. Getting some head nods. nods. What did you like about it, Christian? Oh, I just loved, I loved how she wrote everything. I loved that she didn't really like caveat or like, I don't know. She just didn't make it very fluffy. Like she made it very raw of like, this is going to make you get really uncomfortable. Obviously I, you guys probably know, but I'm like an achiever and a challenger. And so I like that just like rawness of like, this is going to be hard. Like, I think a lot of us want to do things that are easy or want to do things that are comfortable or convenient. And I think she just calls that out a lot that she says like, this doesn't look like that because like no relationship is easy and it's going to take a lot of work. And I think a lot of times we want our friendships to be, natural and feel really easy and that's just not the reality of how they begin or even when you're like in the deep of it that's not how they function because we're imperfect people that you know say things and do things that other people have feelings about so it was so good I loved it I agree and I think even if you're someone who feels like okay no I have a group of friends like I have my people I feel like I do have girls in my life who are like I mean you guys maybe have heard a little bit of my summer this far but you know the girls that like showed up to the hospital for me a lot of you are in this room and it's like no I feel like I had those people but what this book did for me was kind of have me evaluate like a lot of those friendships I have in my life that feel a little bit you know when you walk away I was talking to I think Meg and Bailey about this earlier like you walk away and you're a little like oh I feel so drained by that and why is that and it's like those friendships that never go past like okay what did you do this weekend it's a little bit surface level and it's made me evaluate okay are those friends that I need to almost in a way like start from scratch on in terms of like Jenny Allen's kind of mission and things she's challenging us to or are those friendships that I just need to be okay with like yeah, those people are not going to be my people. And like, they're okay. And they're a part of my life for a reason. And they can be a lot of fun in my life. But I want to invest and put my time and my energy into those people in my life that really are those people for me. But I think it's like, it's challenged me a lot in a way of like, well, I think there's a give and take with that, because we also want to be maybe that person to those other people who aren't that for us. Does that make sense? Like, 
I don't know where that balance is fully. So that's one thing I've kind of been thinking about as I read this book, but mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll so get good, into some guys. of that. So many good nuggets. We could talk for days. Okay. Yeah, we're going to jump into the first question. So some of these questions Jenny Allen has like posed herself and then other questions we also composed. So we will kind of go through them and chime in as you do. So the first one being, what do you think is the difference between having a lot of friends versus finding your people like Jenny talks about in the book? What'd you guys think about that concept of having a lot of friends versus, quote, finding your people? One difference that it made to me was of like being super social and thinking that I had a bunch of friends. But what this book did to me was challenge me into thinking I need to be more selective of who's going to be in my inner circle, of who those are my true friends. Yeah, that's what it did for me, at least. That's really good. That's awesome. And so convicting in a world, too, that makes it seem like everyone has a lot of good friends that you're like, wait, am I the only one with like a few good friends or does everyone have like 20 besties that they like share all the details of their life with? Obviously, we could go on like to social media and all these things of like how much or like how many people are you sharing like really intimate things about your life with and really who are like living life with you. That can be like a hard balance to find and something that you can maybe like put on with rose colored glasses. But that's probably not reality of how you can do that well. And that she made the point of like, it's not actually even possible to be that intimate with that many people. But our society kind of, like you were saying with social media, makes it seem like you should literally have this group of like 17 girls that know you like in and out everything that you do, every thought that you have. It's like, well, that's not even possible. So we should be really focusing our time on, okay, who are those people that I want to know me that way? Because if 17 people can't, I need to find those like three. Is, is it three to four that she said? Yeah, three to four that are. And like, am I even giving them the time that I need to be? Or am I focusing a lot of my time and my resources? When I think about, you know, Christian and I are both, I don't think I've said this, but I'm not going back to my job. So we even just did our like working moms or just stay at home. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going back to my job full time. So I'm, I guess, type now a stay at home mom and you're a working mom. So it's like we both have kids. We're both working in some aspect with the podcast and your job job. It's like you only have so much time and energy to give. And am I spending a lot of that on these people that I like want to feel good about being in my life or those three to four people that I know are going to be there for me? when I'm in the hospital or when X, Y, Z. So anybody else? As someone that's not from Columbia, didn't grow up here and didn't go to college here, I think having a lot of friends look to me, looks like to me keeping in touch with those that I went to college with that are in different places, like specifically back in Chicago and also my high school friends. So keeping those connections, but then finding your people is having those friends that are with you daily and that live life with you every day. I love Jenny Allen so much. I'm like obsessed with her. And she like my kid was literally reading her kids books right before we came here. But in the beginning of the book, you know, she opens it with that illustration where she's like literally having a panic attack on the floor of her closet or something. And I was listening to it with my husband, Daniel, in the car. And my mom knows this about like, I feel like I relate to this question in the sense of like having a lot of friends versus finding your people because I've had my personality is really like I love people. I love to like try to be everything for everyone in a bad way and so I feel like I've gone through so many phases where I've just been like like curling up I mean I'm not on having a panic attack on the floor of my closet but I'm like curled up in a ball on my couch because I'm like so overwhelmed and feel so alone but like why you know what I mean when I'm like doing all of this trying to be all these things for all these people and as like God has grown me and like I've changed and you know reading things like this helps where it's like no I really like it's so freeing to be like 
okay, I'm committed to like this small amount of people and that's doable. And beyond that, of course, like I want to be in relationship with people. And of course, I want to be like challenging myself and like available and social and all the things. But like you just can't do it all. And I'm like, I love I love this book. I love Jenny out like but it's just so freeing to be like, God doesn't ask me to be best friends with everyone. And like, it's okay to be like, I have like my inner circle and they know me and I don't have to like do much more than that every, all the time, you know? And like my mom, my husband and my kids, like you can't do that much more. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) Yeah. Emily's behind you. There's a few people. Oh, and Meg. So a couple years ago, like weeks into COVID, my father-in-law was in a very tragic motorcycle accident. I'm gonna try not to cry and I don't know why. So that led me in a parking garage where my husband was pulling my his dad off life support because I couldn't go in. And I had people come sit in a parking garage with me for hours. I had people then come clean my house when we knew nothing about COVID and two people had been in the hospital. I had people drive two hours to bring me meals. So I say all that to say that in the past two years, God has really worked in my life with what friendships look like and who is important in my life and that it's just really important to have those core people that you can go to when something like that has happened, you know, and that those people just really show up for you. And this book really made me think about that a lot. And it also made me think a lot about, I have in the past had a lot of insecurities about like who my friends are in the sense of, like I'm from a small town. So there's not a lot of people in my community that are also in the same phase of life with me that are believers that I am also friends with. So I struggled for years with that because I wanted to be, I wanted to be friends with somebody who is my age and a believer and all of these things. But I've had a lot of freedom in the past year with like the people who are in my community, in my town are 10 years older than me. And I'm perfectly okay with that. And there can be times like I have a five month old daughter and like when I needed advice in the newborn stages, they literally couldn't remember because it was so, you know, like it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago for some people but just the freedom of like what you want your friend circle to look like, I guess. Thanks for sharing that. I love that picture. I mean, obviously what a huge praise of like what God has done in your community, but even that picture of, I think so often we think our community needs to look like us or like, we need to have the same interests. We need to be at the same age. We need to be in the same life stage and how just like, I don't even know where we get that from really, because I'm like, it's so not true, but I love that you have seen that of like, no, there's actually a big gift that also comes because they've lived more life than I have. Or like, I get to encourage them in a way where like, yeah, that's really, really cool that you've recognized that gift and just like leaned into that. That's awesome. Well, and we might get to this in later discussion from questions, but I think we're really... I don't want to say like being disobedient, but we're just like being denied a lot of joy in the thought that like you were saying with the common interest or common life stage that we wouldn't be living life alongside people who maybe have totally different like socioeconomic 
help me status status is us or age or jobs or interests like if we really only want to surround ourselves with people who think the same way we do who live the same way we do i feel like that's kind of a boring life and i think we're just being really ignorant to think that like we wouldn't have stuff to learn from other people or that we wouldn't have stuff to give and so i love that you shared that emily thank you i mean i'm looking out at a friend of mine who's here who i'm like you know, our age difference is really great, but I view you as a really close friend and I go to you for advice and I hope that like you can learn things from me too. And so I think that's, I don't know, it's part of community. And I do think there's something weird culturally that tells us we have to kind of all be in the same or even like style wise that we have to like, like the same things, dress the same way. Why? What are you, why are you laughing? Samantha hates the jumper I have on right now. No, I don't. (laughs) No, I don't. I literally bought it, guys. No, I don't. She's like, no, 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 no. You look like you should be on a race no, track. No, 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 And no, I was no, like, no. I really like it. I thought I'd wear it to the event. And she was like, really? No, okay, okay. And I was like, yeah. She asked me what I thought about it. And I gave my honest opinion. And then she didn't like that. So that's what happened. So yeah, you can even be friends with someone who thinks your clothes are ugly. <laughs> okay. okay, anyways, wait, Meg, did you have something to say? Okay, so I was just kind of thinking about how it's different about how kind of like life ebbs and flows. And since we live in a college town, that means like our population changes very frequently of like there are people who come in and there are people who go out, people who stay for four years and people who stick around long term. And so I have found over the years of like having to kind of like reinvent my people or like rediscover my people time and time and time again, even though like I remain the constant of like I'm here and I have been here. Like my people are like all over the United States and really all over the world at this point. Like I have friends who live in foreign countries and finding like my people again and again and again is exhausting. And so like even now I just kind of think about like who are the friends that have been a constant for like the 10 years that I've been working professionally in Colombia. And I really found myself kind of thinking about like how to invest in those constants even if our lives look different. And like, truthfully, one of like my closest and dearest friends is not a believer. And she is the one who I think embodies most of what Jenny was like suggesting of like, I had surgery, she showed up and she vacuumed my house and yelled at me when I got out of my chair to help. And like, she's the one who like looks me in the eye and was like, what you said was not okay and it made me feel this way. And I think for so long, I've like discounted that friendship just because it isn't a Christian friendship. When in reality, like she is holding me so accountable to the way I live my life and it sharpens me. And so just like really kind of being convicted to think about who are the people who stay and how do I invest in those friendships and what does it look like to deepen the people like who are around me immediately and who remain around me, whether they're people that my favorite people are, I'm really drawn to. Sometimes like you have to draw yourself to the people who are there and it requires more effort on your part but it's a conscious choice and I think for so many years I think I just expect things to fall into my lap and things to happen organically and naturally when it's it's a lot of work and it needs to be a lot of work because the things that you put the work into are like the things that generally prove worthwhile in the end so yeah going to the next question and Meg you kind of put us into that in a great way so We're sitting here talking about finding our people and finding this community, but it's almost laughable because we all know that it's a lot 
more work than we're making it sound like right now. So what are these spiraling thoughts that stand in the way of you building deep community like this? So like, what are the things that we're like, okay, yeah, that sounds really great, but like this, this, and this, because we all have them. I'm sitting here thinking of a million. So what are those for you guys? I'll start, I guess. One of my like favorite things about the book, I'm a very like analytical person and I feel like she had a lot of like practical like these are the friends you should look for like these type of people and like start this conversation with someone and so I'm reading it and I'm like oh awesome like I'll just go up to this lady at Target and be like hi (laughs) but I think we all have like a deep fear of rejection and so I think that holds us back and whether that's even like somebody we already know of like taking that next step and being like hey not just like how was your week but like hey I know you've been struggling with this like how's it going or whatever at the heart of that I think is like either for me a fear of rejection or like a pride and thinking I don't know that it might not work or that it might I might not be enough or I don't know that it just doesn't fit into kind of what you were saying like the box that I thought it needed to fit in so for me in the book it was helpful where she kind of outlined those friendships of like these are the friends you need and then the reverse of that also like how can I be those things for somebody and like I don't need to be all of those things for anybody but with this relationship like where do I see a need and how can I fit in yeah this question I think mostly like a fear of rejection one of the things that stands out for this question to me was in the book she said people cause the best parts of life but they also cause the most pain in life and I think that's true for me like people have caused me a lot of pain I'm sure I've caused people a lot of pain but we all like you said have a fear of rejection we all have a fear of getting hurt I don't like getting hurt. I don't want to get hurt. I have moved around a lot. And so I think just the fear of getting deep with somebody and then either moving again or again, maybe they don't like me. Maybe they don't want that deep connection with me. But I think that's the fear of getting hurt is what stands in the way a lot. I really like this question because love the spiraling thoughts that um, (laughs) I just love to believe. But I think Jenny always does a really good job at helping us acknowledge thoughts and then helping us like tear them down. And so for me, vulnerability is just really scary because kind of like what you're saying, you can just be hurt and just scared to be hurt. And so I think thoughts that stand in the way of deepening community for me are often you're too much like you, your problems are too much. No one else can handle them. And so just building walls and not being able to take those down and let people truly in and just, yeah, feeling like I'm just too much to be someone's friend in that way. But just grateful for the ways Jenny kind of helps us tear some of those lies down and help us remember that, yeah, like Jesus is our friend too, and we're not too much for him. And so the people he's given us to do deep community with, like we're not going to be too much for them either. I mean, it'll be really imperfect because we're broken humans, but just encouraged by learning how to be in friendship with Jesus and how to step into vulnerability with my friends in deep community in that way, even though that lie is like Satan loves to, to tell me that lie, that I'm just too much for people. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, w- I want to say that to everyone, but that takes so, a lot of things. I guess for me, I think the expectations, like earlier we talked about how like you look at someone, you're like, oh, they're way older than me. So we're not in the live- same life stage. So we couldn't be friends. And so like expectations out of the friendship and even like after that first step, like I feel like for me, it's like, oh, this person's five years older and has a kid and is married now. Like 
can't relate, wouldn't be good friends. When in reality, it's like, hey, you're super cool and we get along really well and laugh and whatever. And then also when you do take that first step and you do say hi and go for coffee with the person that's five years older with the kids, it's like you create expectations, or at least I do, for that coffee date. And it's like nothing can be awkward and there can't be silence and you have to like get along really well, you know. And so then I like get in my car and drive home and I'm like, okay, did I say the right things? Did she like me? Was I cool? Like, you know, all the things in my head. And then it's like, they text me. It's like, hey, had so much fun. We should hang again. And I'm like, oh, phew. Okay, good. And I'm like, and then even then after that, I'm like, does she really want to hang out again? <laughs> you know, so just like creating these like expectations before anything even happens. And it prevents friendship that could be super, super good. Yeah. I like to call those my like laid like head hits the pillow kind of staring at the ceiling thoughts like where you just are laying there and like oh was I so awkward when I said this today I try to battle against that but we all do it especially when making new friends because you're like okay they don't like get my humor yet they don't know I was kidding but I like that no that's seriously so good I mean yeah I could ditto to all of those things and I just really appreciate you all sharing those things because I'm like I think those are rabbit trails in our head that we can like easily go down and like how do we figure out ways to like stop those things and insert truth into those areas that we're like believing lies and also like move past that I like loved I can't remember someone said something about like just even asking the question maybe it was Morgan but I'm like I loved how Jenny in the book talks about like good friendship asks a lot of questions and how easily, yeah, just out of all of these fears, we can spiral out of like, no, I don't want to ask too much. I don't like, I don't want to ask something that's awkward or like hurtful or painful. And it's like, no, that takes getting really uncomfortable. And I just love, yeah, a lot of what you guys just said there. That was awesome. Yeah. Before we jump to the next question, one thing I want to say, and I think we'll touch on this more, I think we should just say like, we've all probably had friendships in our life that have completely burned us that have felt like really, really either unhealthy or that we felt very betrayed by someone. And so I think that's a really big thing that stands in the way of making new friends is just like, I know for me, I really struggle sometimes being a good friend. And sometimes like when people will get to this later down in some other questions, but like when friends have come to me and said like, hey, like you're not doing this for me or this or that, I can tend to think, great. Okay. I've failed again in friendship and it would just be better for me to like not have friends or, you know, I can be content with my husband and my kids and like some other people that I can just know on the fringe of my life. And obviously that's wrong and that wouldn't make me happy. But I think we can think that way too of like, well, it's just so much hard work that I don't know if I want to do it. And I think that's a big thing that we should all recognize too, is that like, I think someone else said, I can't remember who, that maybe, is it Madison? Yeah, Madison. Maybe you said like, yeah, we've all been hurt by people and we've hurt people, but it's almost like, do we really want to go through that? It would just be easier to not. But I think that's the lie that Satan tells us is that it would just be easier to not go into deep community. But we're all sitting here in a world now that's preaching that, like be your own individual, like get rid of people in your life that aren't serving you. And we're all sitting here miserable. So I think we have to try something else, but it's really hard. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so next question. What unhelpful habits have you formed in friendship? So Jenny talks a lot about these in the book. And I know that we were probably all reading the book thinking about like, oh, I've literally done that exact thing that she's telling me not to do right now. So yeah, share some of those things. What did you guys feel in the book? Tell us what you're bad at. This is what we're essentially <laughs> Somebody asking. Somebody be very vulnerable. <laughs> so 
my unhealthy habit in literally any friendship I've ever had, especially now with my best friend, which really sucks. I'm the friend who will go like weeks without any kind of communication because I just keep making excuses like, oh, I have a new baby at home. I'm so exhausted. Or, oh, I have to work so many long hours. Or, oh, well, she didn't reach out to me. Or, oh, well, this or that. And then I get into this place where I'm like, hey, I send a text message. I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry I haven't reached out. It's been so long. Like this and this and this and all these excuses. But that's exactly what they are. They're just excuses. They're just something to stand in your way of trying to have deep community with someone, especially someone who's been my friend since, you know, 10 years. So they're just excuses and none of them are healthy. Hopping off of that, I think mine is coming up with excuses too. But mine, I think, derived from my family life and home life. And I think Jenny had mentioned it for us to be shaped by a success and terribly independent driven culture. But mine was like that just within the home. And I think that had pushed me to only show the good parts of myself, look at me, paving a way for me. And that had put up the walls from truly exposing like the hard stuff I was going through in high school friendships and even in college friendships. So I only picked the friends I think where we would grow together, we would expose those good stuff and still celebrate and all those wonderful joys that can come in life, especially in college and new opportunities. And now I realize that one of my best friends has moved away and I'm recognizing that I'm like missing out on everything else on the daily stuff. We will go weeks or even like a month without checking in on each other. But when we do talk, it feels like nothing has changed. And that's a wonderful thing. But I think this book has convicted me of, yes, but I think that there's just so much more that I'm missing out on. And I'm really wanting to challenge myself to do that. So I think that that unhealthy habit is recognizing of how my independent lifestyle and being raised to be this independent woman and doing everything on my own has left me isolated. That's so good. And isn't like sharing the ugly parts. I mean, I have a confession here, guys, even driving here, I had to share something really ugly with Samantha. And I was like, hey, I need to share this with you. And it was even in this moment that I'm like, I'm so thankful I have someone who I can share really messy things with because I like I can echo that that it is so easy to show someone the really like good sides of you and the sides that they're like, oh, like, you know, they're hyping you up because you're like, you know, all whatever how they like friends hype you up. But then I'm like, no, but then I actually really suck in this. And this is how like I could hurt you or this is like what I did. And I'm really shame. Like I feel shame over that. And so it's hard to share like those hard things with friends. And it takes a lot of time too. I think we like don't give enough to like building that trust in a friendship is going to take time. And that's not fun either. And a lot of hard work as we've talked about it. So that's good. Thanks for sharing, Allie. Yeah. Thank you. I'm not going to lie to bring a little humor. I thought you were about to share that to everyone. I was like, whoa, we are like really feeling vulnerable right now. Yeah, for real. Um, Anyways, I it's so interesting, too, as you get to know your friends like Christian and I are really different in this. But I kind of like relate to Allie where I can go a long time in friendship. And like if you're in my life and we're if you're like my person, like I just think like you're there, you're my person. And like I can tend to go like weeks without really making an effort or I tend to be the one to not reach out. And I've had friends who, I mean, once here, I'm not going to look at you and call you out. I'm like trying not to stare, but have like really bravely come to me and said like, Hey, I don't feel like you're pursuing me in friendship or, you know, I haven't felt like you've been intentional. And it's been so good for me to realize too, like, 
even though maybe I can feel okay just knowing like, hey, if you're my friend, like you're always a friend to me and I know you'll be there. But also some people need different things in friendship and you like you need more sometimes even from me or other people in your life. You need someone to be a little bit more intentional and relational where I can tend to go, you know, weeks and just say like, hey, if I text you, like I know you'll be there. So I think it's good for us to recognize that that can be a strength and a weakness and like finding that out about our friends and kind of meeting in the middle with some of that too. Mm hmm. Did anyone else have anything they wanted to share? I was going to say, I honestly think I have the exact opposite problem in my friendships. We probably text like all the time, like every day. We have like a group chat with like me and like two other people. We send our daily Wordles. We like send TikToks. You still play Wordle? Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody else still play Ouch. Wordle? There's Thank like you. a lot of them in this For the two, Like two other people. <laughs> Like four or five. I feel shame. Yeah. Okay, sorry. But it's like I like have these constant touch points with these people and I I think I lie to myself like, oh, we have so much depth. We're such great friends. So perfect. I'm like, wow, there's literally been no depth in this group chat for a week, which is just squares of yellow and green and white. It's like, okay, I just like trick myself into thinking because I'm having a touch point with this person. There is depth and these are my people, you know, so that's mine. I think for me, I'm such a fixer and I love like helping people work through their problems and like almost like coaching them and like just helping them work through things and like fix other relationships and stuff that whenever they actually ask me about like my emotions and things, I like shut down. I'm like, I don't know how to like process my own emotions with other people. Like that's something that I do on my own. And so I need to like rely on other people. I think Jenny talked about that a lot in the book was like relying on other people and letting them into your life and your emotions and allowing them to help you and not just like helping them. Like it's a two-way street. And so I think that's just like, I've never read a book that was like, I have this problem of like letting people in, but I'm such a fixer for some other people. So that was just like really cool to me to like not feel alone in that, but also like I need to rely on other people and let them into my emotions, not just like what's going on in my daily life, but like this is how I'm feeling about those things and not just like this is what's happening. So I thought that was really cool. I just want to add to that. And I am that same kind of person who just has to fix things and doesn't want to talk about my own problems and issues. But every time that I do and I actually open up to my friend, there's always like she's going through something very similar. And so it's like this very like calming, I guess, feeling to know that like, oh, wow, like she's not okay with something that I'm not okay with. Like it's the same thing. So it just makes you feel less alone. So sometimes it's really important to open up and let those emotions out. We were just talking about that the other day about problems in life and just like, yeah, we were talking about in different concept, but just like how often we feel so alone in like our struggle or our like pain or frustration or whatever we're dealing with. And we like go down these rabbit trails of like, I'm the only one. I'm literally like so alone. No one else experiences this. Like we like can like build this giant thing up in our head. And then the moment we like, yeah, share. It's like, oh yeah, me too. Like that's, that's me too. And it's like, oh, you too? Like, cool. And then you're like, oh, why did I just make this giant deal about something in my head? that I like wasn't willing to share. And now I'm recognizing, you know, that's obviously not, we're not going around sharing all of our struggles with like everyone we ever meet, but like with those people, like the moment you can recognize, like, no, you are probably more alike than you are different than like a lot of people in like even hard things of life. So that story she told, cause she talked about how the one friend kind of like left being her friend because she was like, you're never real with me. Am, am I mixing two stories? But it was that the same friend that was like, no, one time like a year ago, you came to my house and you like sat on my bed and cried. And that was like the closest I had ever felt to you. 
I think those are two different okay. people. Okay. Okay. I well, can't remember. Does anyone else remember? Oh, because she talked kay. about like they kind of reconciled, and the girl My said, "My memory's failing me." Samantha, I'm concerned for Christian. There's been like three things this week where she's totally misremembered, and I'm like, we need to. She like, literally st- called me out of the way here. She's like, honestly, I'm really worried about your memory. I'm like, <laughs> anyways, we just need to yeah. like, get you some brain games. <laughs> I know. Are I need to wordle. Wordle's back. <laughs> Turn thirty, and your brain really starts for failing real. you. But okay, so same guy. Okay, so that's so true, and I hate to be that cliche like girly like crying hugging moment but there is something about when a friend feels like they can cry to you and you can embrace them and be like you feel so needed and we all kind of want to feel needed in a way so if we're denying people the opportunity to like embrace us and be there for us I think we're just denying a really big aspect of friendship why are you laughing at me <laughs> yeah, I mean, me too, because I'm the girl who will like embrace other people all day, but will I like jump into someone else's arms crying? Like, usually not. And so I think it's good because that's really what bonds us as, I don't know, girls in general. And I just think in friendship, like, we want those people. I know, like, with my husband, like, if we get to have a moment like that where we both are really real and I can like be really honest with him, obviously, I kind of walk away from that moment being like, wow, I feel so like loved and known that I could just be myself in that. But we just are really quick to avoid that with friendship, so. Yeah, and when we share the need, it doesn't need to be like in a pretty like presentation of it. Like it can be a messy need of like, no, this is just where I'm at. This is how I'm feeling. It's ugly. I don't have it figured out. I don't even have it thought out. But this is just like where I'm at. Yeah, it doesn't and need yeah. to be the small group. Like here's what I'm struggling with, but I'm like working on it. X, Y, and Z. It can be like in the midst of, I actually don't have this figured out at all. And I just need you to hear that I'm like saying it out loud. So yeah, that's so good. good. Okay. What is the risk in being fully known? I feel like it's kind of a dumb question because there's is like everything about it is risky. I am the person who constantly feels like they are too much. And sometimes I am too much and I need a lovely friend to be like, hey, this is maybe something you should take to a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also like beauty in that of like sometimes you need people who are like, hi, please go to therapy. Or like talk to a professional about this. But like, I think that is always the risk of just being like vulnerable with people of like, sometimes life is not okay, you know? And sometimes like seasons are really dark, but like you need people in those seasons with you and you need people who can like, when you are like in under the dark cloud that they can like kind of be like, hey, it's not always like that. Remember this and just like kind of like refocus you but also who are like in your corner enough to be like, this isn't you. Like this is not right right now. And who can like kind of blow the whistle on it. But I think I constantly just worry about like being too much. And maybe that's, I mean, that's just like my brain in it of just like there is risk in like laying all your dirty laundry out. And like, I think constantly feeling like my dirty laundry like covers a football field where yours like maybe covers like a square foot and just kind of like feeling like all of what I have to offer is just more than what somebody can or is willing to handle. I would say a risk for me is like when you speak something to somebody, it almost makes it more real. And I feel like when you make it more real, it's then something that like hopefully that person will like keep you accountable for. And so sometimes I think you even like open the bag of worms without even realizing like you just get in a conversation and you're like oh shoot like I didn't realize this was like an issue in my heart or an issue I was struggling with but then 
it is real and like thankfully like the lord already knows us fully and so sometimes it's even like we can't know ourselves until we're processing that with someone who like sees us differently or has a different life view but sometimes that's messy because it's something you're not really ready to i don't know like dive into or even be vulnerable with yourself with but i guess that's how we grow i guess that's the point of community but it's it is risky it's messy and it's hard So the first thing that came to my mind looking at the question is just rejection. And I am such a people pleaser. So the idea of being rejected and people not liking me for something, it's absolutely terrifying. But it's just ironic that every time I have been really vulnerable and told a friend about like, this is what I'm going through. It's really hard. It's it's always been the exact opposite of what I thought would happen. And there just hasn't been the rejection. There hasn't been for the most part. (laughs) But normally it just surprises me that people will just be very accepting. And I think that's such a lie that the enemy can tell us is if you're really open, if you're vulnerable, if you're truthful, you're going to lose everyone. And I think it can really keep us trapped. And that's been such a thing that the Lord's really opened my eyes to, that the very thing that I need is the thing I'm most terrified a lot of, of just being vulnerable with that thing. And can we just be honest that a lot of people and ourselves included, like aren't good at being that person to accept someone's vulnerability. Like a lot of times we get uncomfortable or we're insecure about our own things. So we kind of put that on the person. And so like we are the ones rejecting a lot of times when someone's being really honest or vulnerable with us or like, I know for me, sometimes I just like don't know how to react or I do that thing where I'm like, oh, this is actually just a me thing. I don't think this is everyone, but I kind of am like, yes, but like your problems really aren't that bad. So we like kind of deflect or we like minimize what that person is going through. And so I think it goes both ways. Like we also have to be better at just listening and allowing people to feel safe, to be vulnerable with us. And if you're someone I've been really convicted by this lately, if you're someone who's like, wow, no one ever like tells me hard stuff or no one's ever vulnerable with me, you might need to be like, oh, is there something about me that doesn't feel safe to someone or that doesn't feel like they can? Because maybe I've really not accepted that well in the past. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I love in the book, she talks a lot about there's chapters on, you know, friendships ask a lot of questions and are really good listeners. And to be a good friend, you need to like figure both of those skills out. And that's so convicting to me because I think it's true. Like, yeah, we like to think we're all good listeners, but then are we really like able to listen to someone and then also like take the responsibility of like, okay, following up or like actually really praying like about that as you told them or whatever that may look like, like sitting there and it may be awkward, but like that is your role when you're like listening. And I think that's convicting because like, again, it's just, it doesn't look pretty. It doesn't look like easy all the time. And we have to like be willing to step into that. So that's awesome. Thanks for sharing you guys. So what feels difficult about accountability in friendship? Does anyone love accountability in friendship? You do. Maybe? I love it. Her you achieving like, self is like, hold me accountable. Being your friend sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, so well, you guys all hate it, so I can't really answer this question, but what feels difficult? Just kidding. <laughs> well, as one of Christian's good friends, I can speak to the fact that she loves <laughs> accountability. And yes. I think what's difficult about that sometimes is, again, like, we are all imperfect, but nobody, like, likes to be called out necessarily, even if even if that's why you're in the relationship. It's still not fun to be like, oof, like, you're right. I, like, shouldn't have handled that that way. But yeah, I think that's how we grow. And I think... Everybody needs a friend who can do that for them, even though it's not always super fun to be the one called out. Also, not the one to like have to say that about somebody. And I feel like it takes a lot of like 
I don't know, tact and grace sometimes to be like, hey, I love you and that's why I'm doing this. Like, I'm not doing this to like be mean or nitpicky, but like you've called me into this relationship. So like, let's do this. But I don't know, we all have our own things and so we're all busy. So if you are the one holding someone accountable, like that is a responsibility to like take seriously. And also if you're the one accepting that from someone, like that takes humility to be like, oh shoot, like you're right. Like let's process this together. So. And I'll take this moment to say, as someone who, looking back at my more immature kind of faith, using like accountability as this, I don't know, excuse to kind of just like berate someone in their sin, maybe. I think that if you're the person who's like, no, I like, I feel really called to just like call this friend out. I think that that needs to come with a lot of thought and prayer and not just kind of off the bat, like, spouting out how you feel because that is what creates this like safe environment for a friend to be able to share I know in my friendships I've gotten better at this like used to they would share something and I would kind of be quick to jump back and be like well you're not thinking about it like this or I'm seeing this kind of in the way you're thinking like this unhealthy way you're thinking about it whereas sometimes I like to hear them kind of process it a couple times before I come back and say like hey I've heard you say this a few times and I'm hearing this from you but I'm seeing this in your life and like almost like turning that back on them because I just think one of when you're talking about like what feels difficult about this a lot of times we've just all been like handled really poorly in accountability and relationships especially in a Christian world where it's like I don't know I've had one time where someone like was like hey let's get coffee and sent me down and they're like hey I've seen this in your life and it just was someone who like wasn't even close with me I had never like given the permission to speak into my life I still wanted to be humble and hear what they were saying but I just like had a lot of mixed feelings about maybe their intentions and coming to me and so I think that that's what can be difficult about it is like sometimes people just feel this like pride in speaking into your life about something when you're like yeah you don't really like have that authority or maybe we haven't like you haven't earned that trust in my life for me to take that and receive that well. I don't know how you feel about that. No, that's good. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay. <laughs> like really questioning really myself. Yeah. Two things come to mind when thinking about this question. They're kind of not related. When I ask for like accountability and friendship, it's, it's kind of scary because it's that vulnerability that bringing something to the light and not really knowing how that other person may respond to it. But on the flip, sometimes just like pride in a slightly different way of like when friends ask me, I just like forget I get all up in my own stuff and I just am not a good friend and and holding my end up like my end of the deal in that. And just because my pride and my self-centeredness gets in the way. And so I think sometimes that makes it difficult on both sides of like when I'm asking for it. But when someone else is asking me for it, I just get all up in what I want to be about and not you know, being like a genuine friend in that. So pridefulness in that and then like a fear of vulnerability too. I think the encouraging thing, I think Jenny talks about this a little bit in her like friend group too, but in the book, but I think the encouraging thing about accountability is like, I don't even know why I like accountability. I think it's just more my personality. I for sure have had people approach me it like in holding me accountable and things and it not go well. And I have approached other people and it's not gone well, but there is this like some sort of like security to me that like the more you do it, it does get more comfortable. And Jenny talks about that in her friendships of like, it is so freeing in a friendship when you have such accountability that like it can become a really simple conversation because it can be like, Hey, I know you, I love you. I want the best for you. I want you to flourish. And this is what I'm seeing in you. And let's have a conversation about it. And I think that's why maybe I like it so much now because I do feel so much freedom in like, it is kind of an art. Like there is some tact to it. I think like Morgan said that. And so 
I don't know. I think I hope that's encouraging to us all because like the more we do this, we are going to become better at it. And hopefully like we're growing in deeper friendships and we're like finding better friends and we're like, you know, all flourishing together. And so I think that can be encouragement in it, even though it is like really obviously scary and not fun. Yeah. And this is something that a lot of you here tonight might say, I don't really have anyone in my life right now that I would feel comfortable like calling me out on things like that's okay too. Because if we're sitting here saying like some of us are really needing to find our people you might have to work towards that in relationship. Like I know I wouldn't feel comfortable with a girl that I just met, like calling out my deepest things that they're seeing in my life. But yeah, like Christian said, I mean, I know in our relationship, a lot of it doesn't even feel like it's accountability because it's us just being very relational and saying like, hey, you said this earlier. I know you're hard and I know your intentions, but like that hurt me or like that sounded really rude to this person, like explain how you're feeling or even just like tell me what you were thinking about that and yeah it doesn't feel like this like coffee shop deep christian kind of conversation but takes time yeah okay love this question what are the little everyday activities that you could invite people into i don't really know if this is like technically an activity but it's something that's like really been good for a couple of my friendships and when you said like are people still using wordle it kind of made me think of this um (laughs) I am like, I love Marco Polo, like at an extreme level. (laughs) And my husband calls it old lady Snapchat. Um, Honestly though, that pretty much is what it is. um, But like having a Marco Polo with like one of my best friends has like really truly been so good for our friendship because there are times that it's like five minutes or five seconds, like, hey, I forgot to tell you like blah, 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 you know, or, or and then sometimes it's literally like, like I have a 15 minute commute and we call it like therapy, like, and I'll text her, like, be prepared. Like it's a long Marco Polo and we're just like hashing out all of our feelings about things or just, you know, anything talking about really deep stuff sometimes on Marco Polo or even like I've met, like not really like met a friend, but I like had a mutual friend and our husbands were like, kind of dealing with like some of the same things so I had like reached out to her and was like hey how did you like manage this how did you guys handle this and she was like I actually just saw that you're on Marco Polo so I just sent you a message and like it has like kind of really like fostered a pretty good friendship because of that so I don't know I think it's just a really cool app that you can still use to like have good conversations with people and keep friendships alive while you're doing your makeup like a lot of times I'm like doing my makeup or like I said driving or cooking dinner or whatever it's like a quick way to like and like check in with a friend like hey how are you doing or you know things like that the amount of times I've Marco Poloed in a towel and been like I really hope your husband like doesn't walk in or I'm like whoops and like have a little slip and have to pull it up yeah (laughs) oh my gosh maybe you should put on a shirt first no that's the whole thing she's saying like you have to find those pockets like while you're I'm like in my towel still but doing my makeup you You don't have 25 seconds to put on a shirt okay (laughs) but going going off that I wanted to say voice memos thank you I was gonna say this might make us sound really old but Christian and I have two other friends that we have this constant text with that we sometimes it gets really deep and you're like just crying and being emotional and sometimes we're like guys 
like, oh, hold on one second. Like my kids are screaming in the background. And I don't know. Does anybody else use voice memos where you literally hold? Okay. It's amazing. amazing. I thought it was old. When I meet someone who doesn't know about voice memos, I'm like, oh, no, let me teach you. I have a friend. She still struggles. She's like a few years older than I. And she's like, I'm literally too old for this. I'm like, you're not old. Like, See, for I feel this. like, like I'm like, figure it out. Because people younger, like they don't use voice memo. Yeah, it's amazing. If you don't. Keeping up with friends. Okay, what other ways? What other like little activities you can bring people into? So I grew up with the mother that was like, we cannot invite anybody over unless our house is immaculate. And so that like kind of manifested itself into like shame of like an unwillingness to invite people into my life if my life was not like perfectly like arranged or designed or whatever. And so I had a friend actually yesterday who was like, your house is a mess. Okay, I'm coming over and I'm sitting on your couch and I'm going to stay there and you can just clean and I can help you if you'd like, but I'm just going to be here while you do that. And it was like, A, the most productive afternoon of my life, but B, just like so freeing to be in community um, and have somebody show up and be like, I don't care that your house is a mess. I love you and I want to be here for you. And furthermore, like, if you need me to help you organize, I'm here to help you organize. And so that was just a really sweet thing that I think I just have been so conditioned into thinking people don't want to do. And I think I've been very wrong. That's good. So. We do a lot of post-bedtime, let's go to Target together, things like that. Or I've had to grow over the years in creating space in my schedule. I, did she talk about this in the book or am I getting this from something else she Don't ask has me, my about? memory sucks. Stop. I don't know. Stop. Stop. Where we kind of live, I think certain people are more bent towards this than others, where like every minute of their day is so scheduled out that if a friend texts last minute, it's like a huge inconvenience to like rearrange your day to maybe a lot of times for me in my life stage, just like other moms, like wanting to do an impromptu play date. And obviously sometimes like there's other things you have going on. You can't say yes all the time, but I have tried to get better a couple weeks ago. Like I had planned to use this morning to like get a lot of laundry done and like be at home. We had been like traveling and out of the house a lot. And some girls who I hadn't seen in a while text for a play date. And I kind of did that thing where I was like, I really don't want to, but like, no, I'm going to say yes because laundry can get done. Now, again, is there some practical times where I'm like, no, I actually need to stay home and do this. Yes. But I think just being okay with saying like, no, I'm going to like rearrange the nap schedule or I'm going to like let go of some of these things and go spend time with people. It's really, really hard for us. Or like the house being clean. I think also you can do little practical things. This might get more into a different conversation, but I want to always have like certain LaCroix or Topo Chico or like things in my house so that if a friend does want to come by last minute, I have something to offer. I have something that I can make them feel welcomed or, you know, keeping certain candles in my house that I can light when things are a little bit messy, but I can like tidy up maybe around my couch and light a candle and like make someone feel cozy if they want to come like sit for an hour and chat. That kind of sounds dumb, but those are the little things that maybe make it a little bit easier to say yes when the rest of your house feels chaotic. I don't know, just like keeping certain snacks in your house that would be good to like serve a guest. I don't know, those are dumb things. Bottles but. of wine and Aldi chocolate bars. Yes. Honestly, yeah. amazing. Christian, you told me this, that you're like my grandma always said, you need to have a um, no, cold bottle of champagne in your fridge. Yeah. I do right now. Cause you're like, you never know when my you're going to celebrate someone in life. My grandma said that. Yeah. And yeah, they were just like, you never know when you're going to have an opportunity to celebrate. So like when people get engaged around us or like, I don't know, buy a house. Like I'm like, oh, I already had a bottle of champagne for you to drop yeah. off as a little gift. Yeah. 
It's good. But I would say my favorite, I just invited a friend over this last week to help me clean out my closet because mm-hmm. I was like, this needs to get done. But can you just like sit on my bed mm-hmm. and help me with this? And she's like, but we can hang, right? I'm like, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, you know, little activities, but lots of grocery runs. I love taking friends with on little errands with me because I'm mm-hmm. like, it makes it more fun. And like, you're probably going to have to pick up something too. Mm-hmm. So let's just make it productive and fun. Does that feel really scary to people to be like, to text someone and be like, let's go pick up a grocery order? Does that feel scary to anyone? Some Does anyone else scared, have better ideas? Me, like, okay. Because I feel like that feels so like raw in a way to be like, come get a grocery order with it me. It feels very like just boring, like not flashy. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like we're doing anything fun. I don't have we're a not, good like, experience. We're going to get drinks I mean, I, on a yeah, Friday yeah, night. Like yeah. it's nothing you need, like can get a cute outfit on for. Yeah. Like it's like, no, this is just my real life and this is what I need to get done I today. just was seeing a lot of stares and like a few little head nods. I'm like, that's really scary. I was going to say something that I think just in my life of an, of literally an everyday activity is any mealtime. I'm just like, I'm like looking around the room of like people that I've had meals with. Like literally last week I was eating dinner at Betsy's house. Maria comes over frequently for meals. I've had Marta over for breakfast when she got back from Europe. And like, that is something like everyone eats during the day. And it's like a really easy, just like, hey, do you want to like get lunch or do you want to come over for breakfast or we're making dinner, just like come in. It's like, easy built-in time even if you're not like oh like I can go do an afternoon walk or I can go do a coffee date with you it's like no everyone has like pretty much scheduled out meal times and it's just so easy to invite someone in to that meal time whether you're eating out or cooking something that's so good I only met you what six months ago or something but really early on in our relationship I figured out that you and Mason have people over for dinner like all the time and I was literally like wow oh my gosh this is like convicting me like I'm in a current season where I'm making every excuse for hosting my house because I have these toddlers but I'm like this is so good and you guys do that so well because your house is like never just you too which I love Mm -hmm. because yeah everyone eats everyone has to eat and again you have to let go of like oh is this the perfect recipe that I would make like when I'm hosting or I'm like oh it's nothing special but you can come eat yeah we do that with like my my sister-in-law's here my brother and I'm like you can come eat dinner with us it might be like nothing but come eat hi that's amazing (laughs) anyone else have anything I like to eat and grocery shop so whoever (gasps) wants to eat and go grocery (laughs) shopping with me I'm available I love that (laughs) that's all yes Everyone go get her number after. I don't know if, and yeah, this is up. like too vulnerable, but I'm like, maybe along with the sign up, we should have collected everyone's numbers and then we like oh, shoot gosh. it out to everyone. No, that's too much, too much, too much. <laughs> How creepy. Some of you guys are like, I'm uncomfortable right now. Okay, just because I want to get through some of these last ones. How have you given up too early in friendship in the past? Do we all have people that we're thinking about right now where you're like, shoot, like that's a friend that we just, maybe we had a falling out or maybe you didn't even have a falling out, but you just think of them as like, I guess what I'm saying is like we all have those people that you're like oh that's just such a weird topic or like if I ran into them in town like that would be awkward I don't know maybe we've just given up too early in friendship go I'm gonna answer this question because I was afraid you're gonna ask this question so I just figured I might as well start it off wait can we just say this is Cassidy she also works with us she does really awesome photography and videography and she's awesome so thank you for the shout yes, out. She's amazing. <laughs> we love her. She's done a lot of our shoots in the past. If we've ever done like video interviews or like our social stuff when we very first started out, she did it all. So she's Cassidy's awesome. amazing. That's all the good things. Here's what I suck at. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Gosh, giving up to early in friendships is something that I've recently figured out that I have done in the past where I had a lot of people that I think like Jenny in the book kind of described it as quitters, like people that just quit on you. And I held so much like bitterness in my heart toward making new friends because I was like, man, 
everyone just quits on me like that I've known like my high school friends and my soccer team girls and like people that I had in college and they just get up and leave or they kind of go in their own little clique and go a different way and leave me in the background and obviously it's very hurtful but then I kind of also realized that there's been times where I've never just like gone and said hard things to them that probably would like deepen the relationship a little bit more and I equally quit. Like it wasn't just like they walked away and I'm like, oh, woe is me, poor me, that I have to be, you know, the wallflower now. But it's been kind of just revealed to me that it's really hard to have hard conversations. It's hard to say like, you really hurt my feelings here, but I want to work like through it with you. And that's just been a different, like a difficult conversation for me to have with people. I'd rather just like be like, nah, you know what? That was really hurtful. And I can find someone else that can be nicer to me versus being like, no, you're really important to me. And it's important that we like deepen this relationship together. So I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to let you quit. And we're going to like work it out. And that's just, you know, maybe just having to be something that I mature through as I get older. But I think it's one of those things that's like really, really important because there's going to be a time like it's not if it's when when you meet someone and it's going to get difficult, they're going to say something you didn't like. Like, it's going to be awkward. They're going to hurt you. And you can either choose to stay or go. And I think it's one of those things that it's important to try to make it stay. Like, let's not say for toxic relationships, but let's also keep in mind that we may have to have a hard conversation and don't give up too early. That's very, very good. Thanks for sharing, Cassidy. That's a good point. Just we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but our culture, again, kind of just preaches this idea of like, if you've even slightly been wronged, you should just totally flee. And I think we're just missing out on realizing that like, that's what deepens friendship is to walk through hard things. Again, we're not saying to stay in a friendship that's just like, again, and again, been damaging or just really unhealthy but we kind of just have this little like soft bubble around us where we think that if someone slightly wrongs us we deserve so much more when we don't realize like no that's part of being really intimate with someone I mean I think I don't know how many of you are married but you know if you are to ever get married or in any kind of relationship with family or siblings or long-lasting friendships you see the best and worst in people and you have to be able to take that and say like, no, I see that really dirty side of you, but I also see that there's value somewhere in that. And so I'm going to stick it out. And I mean, that's just so it makes sense when you say it out loud, but our culture just totally tells us the opposite. It's like the slightest inconvenience to your life. You should really flee. And so I think we have to fight against that because it's easy to be like, yeah, I deserve more. I'm not going to give you time or space in my life. But I mean, we could as equally be like wronging those other people. We don't want people to just flee at our like first mistake we make, I guess. Did anyone else have anything they wanted to share? I thought I saw a couple hands, so I don't want to ignore you. I can kind of speak from the other end of things of I had somebody who didn't give up on me and it was probably we've been friends for 10 years now and about three years into our friendship we had kind of like this really rocky kind of situation occur where it was a lot of external circumstances and we both did things that were kind of hard and it took us a full year and a half to kind of work through all of our issues but now I think, what, five years later, it is like one of the most beautiful friendships I think that I have of like somebody who was long suffering with me and who I in turn got to be long suffering with. And that is like probably the relationship where I feel like I can speak the most like freely and just be like, hey, you said that that wasn't OK. And she can do the same to me. And we have that history of like it just feels honestly more like a sister than a friend of 
like the freedom that we have to speak into each other's lives is there. And so having experienced that myself, I think it encourages me to be a little bit more long suffering in my friendships of just even realizing that like the hard things may not be resolved in one conversation and likely won't. That's probably something that's going to need follow up after follow up after follow up because we're messy people and we live messy lives and we continue to live in sin patterns. <laughs> and I don't know that I foresee that changing this side of heaven, but having some somebody who's willing to kind of like drop themselves into the mess with you and be like, I'm, I'm in it with you and we're going to get out of this. I've just, I have benefited from that. And it's honestly just, I think one of the most freeing things to have experienced that and really just like be that for her as well. So that's been beautiful. Okay. So wrapping up our conversation, just, yeah, kind of ending out the book. What have you taken away from this journey and reading this book that you will carry into your current and future friendships? What's some like practicals that you're like, I'm going to go work on this right now. And I want to be thoughtful about working on that in the future. That it's okay to be the person that always texts first or that always like initiates first. Mm, So good. I loved that part. Oh my gosh. I think I said this in a podcast before, but I saw this long like expose. You know how people, I like barely get on Facebook. You get on Facebook. Someone had like reshared this viral post and it was this girl. Have I already said this in a podcast? I don't know. Um, My memory. (laughs) (laughs) Keep asking. Um, Basically, this girl had posted like, I realized that I'm always the first one reaching out. So I went through my phone and I just decided to like, let go of all these people that I'm always the one reaching out to. That's no way to live. And then this other girl was kind of coming back and saying like, actually, no, because not all of us have the capacity to always be reaching out or like, so what if you're always reaching out? Like maybe the other person needs to grow in that for whatever reason. Where am I going with this? Yes. Like be okay with being the one always reaching out that I think that's the thing that people I've actually had that be, like I've had people confront me in friendship of like, well, I feel like I'm always the one reaching out. And I think that's good for me to know because I do need to put more effort into that, but also like get it out of our heads that that's like weird or wrong. If you're the one doing that, some people are better initiators in life and like going back to our personalities and the way we're made. Yeah. Some people are just better at doing that. So that's okay. I really liked her, the circle thing, the like close people, acquaintances, and I forget. Yeah, the inner circle, middle circle, outer circle people. I love visuals. I love charts and graphs. So that was like gold for me. But I think Alex said it earlier, just of like, I too sometimes just kind of want to be like everything for everybody. And so really taking a step back and being like, wait, no, I have like three people I can rattle off really quick that know me and love me and we're like in it together. And so feeling convicted and really investing time in that, but also not neglecting, you know, some of the other people that are like right outside, you know, like they're my three, but what about the 12? And then just readjusting expectations. I love how she had, I like still have my note card. She had like different friends of like the wisdom friend, the encourager, and just realizing like, oh, no, wait, that friend is my wise friend and that friend is my encourager. And like, they're not supposed to be the other one. Like they maybe can be both, but like that friend is so wise and like I can count on that. And but that friend is for sure going to be my cheerleader. And that friend is always down to have fun. And so just being okay with having friends kind of sit, you know, where they're gifted and where they're good at and not expecting someone to be all those things I think was really helpful for me 
moving forward with my current friendships and, and future friendships. I love that you shared that. That little chart, I'm also too like a visual person. And many people in this room are like some of my closest friends that know me really well. And that chart, I like physically drew it out for myself and put people places. And I really struggled doing that because I too like want to be all things to all people. Like that is my problem in friendship. And it really helped me recognize like, no, it's actually not, it's not a bad thing for me to have people in different spots. Like they have a place. And then like the same thing, like you're saying, like, yeah, this is my like, encouraging friend and this is my like have fun friend and this is my cheerleader friend it's cool to find to like know there's intention and like where that friend sits in my life and that actually creates deeper richness in our friendship when I recognize that instead of me trying to be like all these things to all these people and they have places and so that was like really good for me as well I love that early in my marriage my father-in-law actually like I don't know where we were why we were talking about this but he was kind of talking to my husband and I about like this idea of a cabinet of people in your life so like you know when crap hits the fan in life or when you're making big decisions or when you're like navigating something really hard who would those people be and it's interesting for my husband and I because we kind of have like our own five people and it's really cool to think about those people of like no maybe some of those people aren't the people I see you know every week or they're not the people I run to for like having my fun like birthday night out or something but those are the people that I know are there and that would give me like sound wisdom and advice and I think it's really cool and maybe sad sometimes if we think about it like well I don't have those people right now but like how can we build those relationships and also like I think being able to tell people like hey you know even if I'm not the best at always showing you love or showing you affection like I just want you to know like you're one of the people that when Justin and I are going through something really hard in life like we think of you like we think of you to be the person that would support us or we would seek for advice and I think being that for them and also doing a better job of you know making them feel loved in that way is good too but I think that's really reassuring for me to know like no I have people I can think of off the top of my head and I have had to use in the last few months of like oh you're the person I need to call when like everything's falling apart and it's yeah again just reiterating like sometimes that looks different than the girls maybe you spend like every weekend hanging out with too i'm gonna learn to stop comparing my friendships to someone else's friendships even like someone i'm friends with her friendships because we're not going to be in the same season of relationships and we're not going to be in the same level of friendships as someone else may be with another girl that you don't know so we should stop comparing those because they're not going to be the same I think I would say the biggest takeaway that I learned would probably be like, it's okay to be needed moving forward. I think that's a big struggle of mine of like, I shut down when I am at my worst. And I love like, I think someone brought it up when she's like, my closest friend called me crying. And that was like when we felt closest, but I wait to call people until I'm like, everything's fine. And I think social media really like plays into that because we're like, everything's perfect in our lives. So I think that is like the biggest thing that I, it's okay. And then also like for COVID, I feel like we've all like became very like self, we've kind of put ourselves in our houses and not left so it's okay to like take a casserole over to someone when you're like oh your life looks perfect but like still drop it off because you never know what they're going through so I think those were fine yeah we've totally lost the art of just like yeah. showing up for people and bringing the casserole Yep. It's like we even in our meal trains now when someone has a baby, it's so calculated. And so like you can come from five to seven and you could like leave it on my porch and like, please don't even knock and like run back to your car and leave because like I'm and yes, there's some reality and like, OK, when you've had a baby, you don't want random people just like in your space. But at the same time, we've kind of lost the art of just like letting people show up and seeing the mess. Uh -huh. 
Yeah. My secret to meal trains, guys, recently is breakfast burritos. Like everyone needs breakfast and then you can drop them off and they can eat them then, now, later, all the things. Frozen breakfast burritos. Okay. That's a good it's tidbit. Really amazing. It, her breakfast burritos are good. They're not that great, but you know, who doesn't need breakfast or something to eat? I think there are a lot of great things, but one thing that really stood out to me was consistency. I have so many friends that I love talking with, but then I feel like I see them like once in a blue moon, which for some people, that's all they can do. But being okay, being that friend who pursues, but also being that friend that's like, hey, before you leave, when is the next time we can like plan to get together? And just even if that's every two weeks, once a month or every week, that was a huge thing for me stepping out of my comfort zone and being like, I really want to see you. And I'm, I don't want to be afraid to be the friend who's like, I really love talking to you and let's continue meeting. And yeah, it's hard to pursue people. It's fun to be pursued. It feels really good, but also the friendship isn't going to continue if sometimes you don't pursue. So I really love that. So many good things, guys. We're not the only ones who learned from this book, Samantha. One of the takeaways that I, it had like really shaped what discipleship looks like. And one of those that stuck out to me was that true discipleship doesn't happen out there. It happens in the home. And that was something that my mom had like told me growing up that the, her, the most important job will be happening within the walls of a home. And that can be with just within you know, like your own family members, but also inviting people into the home. So that's kind of given me, encouraged me to invite people more into like what it said later on of like that discipleship is inconvenient, uncomfortable and very messy that despite everything that's happening within my house and not being put together, that it is okay. And this is what it actually looks like. And that's how true friendship happens. And yeah, being willing to bring them in within those contexts. This summer, I came off of like being really sick and being in the hospital for a while and then on crutches and then like having a newborn and we had someone nannying for us that is closer in age with me, actually, and kind of, you know, not married and with the family yet, but close to me in age. And I kind of like at the end of the summer was like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I just she was like in my house a lot. And she saw a real like a lot of our really big mess. Like she saw like Justin and I bickering a lot. She saw me being like really sh like sharp and harsh with my daughter Emerson. And she just saw a lot of mess. And I felt kind of bummed because I was like, oh, I like wish I could have imparted more like wisdom to her. And I wish we could have just like had more in-depth conversations. And I wish I could have just been a little bit more of this, I don't know, person she could have like looked up to as someone a little bit like further ahead in a life stage than her. And then I thought about it and actually like Alex, you kind of pointed this, this out. She's like, no, she like saw what real life is looking like when you're going through the hardest thing you've ever been through. And that it's not just maybe what she could have seen of your life from the outside, but that she saw your mess. And like, hopefully she saw then Justin and I be like really quick to apologize after we were bickering in the morning or me kind of like come back, circle her back around to Emerson and like make things right in our like mother daughter relationship. And so I had to kind of, yeah, let go a lot of my own pride to be like, yeah, a lot of times when like younger college girls come in my house to babysit, I feel like I have my best foot forward and let them see this like beautiful picture of what it's like to kind of lead my household in that way. But she got to see a lot of the mess and hopefully she will think about that even if she doesn't recognize it right now in her life stage is like, oh, that's truly what life is about when you're walking through these hard things of like, that's how to model obviously we didn't do it perfectly, but model grace and like model forgiveness and apologies. And I had to just wrestle with like, why did I care so much that she didn't get to see the best? 
and I think that just kind of reveals a lot of our hearts in friendship or deeper relationship is that we want people to think really highly of us and want people to see the good. But we know now, and I think it's harder for us to live this, but we know that really only leads us so far. It's really that messiness and that kind of chaotic, like working through things where we get to know people for who they really are. So mm-hmm. Yeah, we like so appreciate you all reading the book and just like diving into this conversation with us. I hope that it's encouraging to you guys and yeah, just convicting in ways that the Lord is pressing on you to change and grow and pursue and just get uncomfortable. So we are really excited that it did that for you guys as well for us. So thank you. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.